evening and welcome to this edition of the John and Leah Show. My name is John Zickler. My co-host is Leah Brandon. This is the program where each and every Sunday we get together for three hours. We talk about the news of the week, the events of our lives, and we do so in an entertaining, informative, and unique fashion. And Leah, as is usually the case during this time of year, we begin the program with a few thoughts about the weekend in college football, where uh, at least in your neck of the woods where you do the program in Alabama, they basically took the weekend off uh, <laughs> by uh, playing cupcakes all over the place. However, there was one game of importance in the SEC, uh, which was um, my favorite team uh, winning. And my favorite team now is whoever is playing the Missouri Pussycats. Uh, oh, yes. And so uh, Tennessee was my favorite team now uh, since they beat uh, Missouri this week. I don't know who Missouri plays next week, but uh, they'll be my favorite team uh, next week uh, thanks to that uh, ridiculous, uh, absurd controversy. And the reason why I lead off with that uh, tonight, uh, Leah, is I don't know if you caught this on Twitter, but uh, I, mean, <laughs> I tweeted out today that in light of what happened with that absurd Missouri fake racial fiasco where the football team threatened to strike. Exactly. I made a connection between that and what happened with the formerly undefeated Ohio State Buckeyes who lost at home to Michigan State, basically falling out of the national championship picture in all likelihood, and had a complete meltdown uh, in the locker room afterwards where one of their best players, a supposed Heisman Trophy candidate, Ezekiel Elliott, uh, basically blamed it all on the coaches said i'm out of here i'm i'm going pro screw this uh, another i'm uh, not coming back right get uh, it the, yeah. the, the the national championship quarterback from last year cardell jones basically did the same thing on twitter and i made the connection between the two basically well not basically i i actually said i used the i referenced the missouri football strike and the ohio state situation and i said the inmates are now running the asylum Meaning oh, yeah. the players are running the asylum. And as I tweeted it out, I thought, you know, is it possible someone's going to try to make this into a racist, racial racial thing? Inmates and their black players. Right. But of I never, course. But I never said anything about black players. And, and for the record, there are a lot of players on the Missouri team that are white who went along with that charade. Well, sure enough, some TV guy happened to be black, or at least mostly black, uh, in Oregon, sees it and starts to call me a racist. This is a, now this is a, a, a former newspaper quote unquote journalist. Now he's a TV guy in Comcast Cable in Oregon. Uh, I'm sure I'm, I'm sure the fact that he's black has nothing to do with how he has his job in Lily White Liberal White Guilt Oregon, um, but that's neither here nor there. And so he uh, in about. Uh, an exchange about 10 tweets explains to me that what I said was racist, even though it was his interpretation. No, no, that no, was no, the no. racist it, part. Yeah, but it's your white privilege that oh. doesn't allow you to see it. I so see. you're a racist, even though you don't know it. You're so, guilty. <laughs> you know, thank you for explaining that to me, Leah, because now That's it's, it. it's all so clear because I thought. See, my white privilege was getting in the way. I I thought it was him who was equating inmate with black. Since you know, no, I had, no. since I had never used the word black, and in fact, as I said, there were numerous white people who I referenced in the group with Missouri football players. But I, now I see 
mm-hmm. how racist I really was. I, yes. I should probably tweet an apology and you should and apologize specifically for my white privilege. That's what I should apologize <laughs> That's for. That's it. My, you 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 don't even know you have it. So, That's how bad it is. So I must. <laughs> So I must apologize for my white privilege. Thank you so much for letting me see the light. You know, You're I love welcome. I love college football. It's it's by far my favorite sport, uh, especially now that Tiger Woods died um, tragically in that uh, car accident several years ago. Golf used yeah. to be my favorite sport, but ever since Tiger died, uh, at least figuratively, um, you know, go- college football is all I have left. And watching college football is very much like watching the United States of America to me. Uh, it's incredibly frustrating because I look at it and go, it's the best thing we have, and it's getting worse every day. Uh, and I see the future, and it's ugly as hell. And there, there are so many things about how we're destroying college football that drive me crazy. In fact, w- next week I'm going to save my rant for how we're destroying the greatness of college football by uh, making rivalries like what's going to happen this week down where you are, Alabama-Auburn, completely irrelevant in this new system that we have. Uh, but I'll save that for next week. This week, though, and I know you saw this uh, on, on Facebook, this really got me. Uh, you know, I grew up in the in the suburbs of Philadelphia as a, as a Catholic kid uh, who, who had Notre Dame as my favorite team because I went, you know, I would eventually go to Georgetown. My parents went to Georgetown. We don't really have a football team. So I was one of those adopted Notre Dame fans. And I bled Notre Dame, all right? <laughs> Notre Dame was everything to me. And when Notre Dame and Joe Montana came out in green jerseys for the first time in, like, forever and ever and beat USC and ended up going to win the national championship that year, that was magic to me. <laughs> that, that was magic. I was, you know, I was a young kid at the time, and that was, I mean, that was something else. And to see what Notre Dame did last night, to, to bastardize the green jersey tradition, all yeah. out of a commercial endeavor with, with Under Armour, uh, looking, looking like vomit, uh, with all green, horrible, all green uniforms, not just the jerseys, but the whole thing, all in, an, in a bizarre effort to appeal to the, the stylistic uh, you know, uh, likings of 17-year-old black kids and 17-year-old white kids who wish they were black, because that's what this is all about. It's about Oh, appeal- yeah, that's uh, exactly what it's, it's all about. It's about appealing to 17-year-old athletes who might come to the school. So it's all urban and screw tradition. You know, I've mentioned this on the program before, Leah. Um, my, my three-year-old daughter is obsessed with not growing up. And, and and she said, continues almost every day, Daddy, I don't want to grow up, and I will always say why, and she'll say, there's no magic here. Right. And, and, I, and, I, and I have no idea, my daughter has no idea how brilliant that is. In fact, if I ever become famous enough uh, to write some more books, I think I'm going to write a book called There's No Magic Here. Because you know why there's no magic here? We've sold it all off. We've, we've sold it all. We, 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 everything that's magical, we have taken it and we have sucked the life out of it. And that's we've right. sold it off uh, for a couple of shillings. And it's insane. And I, I don't want to make too much of it. It's symbolic of a larger reality. I mean, I don't even really care about Notre Dame football that much. But it, it just is amazing to me how every anything is special. Anything with any specialness to it at all, we we must immediately destroy. We must suck the life out of it and sell what's ever left. And yep. and that's what Notre Dame did last night. And frankly, they ought to be eliminated from playoff consideration purely on those uniforms. That, Has there been a brew ha ha or is are you having one all by yourself? You know, that's a great point. Because, you know, you would think 
that there would be a huge mass of Notre Dame, you know, either alumni or Subway alumni that would be like, what the hell was that? And I haven't heard a damn thing because, of course, it would be racist. It would be (laughs) racist. It would be, you know, I'm serious because these new uniforms are equated with 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 black players because that's what the black players want to wear. And so. And it, somehow that would be racist to say, well, wait a minute. This is, I mean, this is a, this is the equivalent for those who don't know football. This would be the equivalent of the Vatican uh, in, when they put up the smoke to determine when there's a new pope, like yeah. selling advertising time, uh, you know, in bright lights with a fireworks display uh, with the smoke coming out of the top of the Vatican. That's I mean, it's not a perfect analogy, but that's basically what Notre Dame did. And no one cares. They no. look like they're wearing like green onesies. Oh, I mean, was, seriously, I, if fine. Alabama does that, it, no. the world is over. Jesus <laughs> is two exits away and uh, he's getting off the interstate. Alabama will be the last of the Mohicans on this trend. They will Ooh, be. I hope well, so. when, when Alabama goes, we know it. Well, I would have said to you, when Notre Dame goes, it's all over. But, you know, it, it, we're now left with Alabama. That Alabama's the last of the Mohicans when it comes to sticking to your traditions. Uh, and it's just disgusting. All right. So uh, when we come back, uh, we're going to talk about uh, another very heavy news week. Uh, and then later in the program, because uh, Lee demanded it, uh, we're going to spend a lot. Of, we're going to spend a lot of time determining whether or not my wife and I should try to have a second child, since there is no magic left here. Uh, I'm not sure how great an idea that is, but we'll discuss all that and more coming up on the John and Leah Show on the Free Speech Broadcasting Network. Welcome back. This is the John and Leah show. My name is John Ziegler. My co-host is Leah Brandon. This is the program that is heard on 20 different stations throughout the nation, including in New York and in Los Angeles, where Leah Brandon and I met back in our days at KFI. We review the news of the week at the start of each program. And obviously the aftermath of the Paris attacks was still first and foremost in people's minds as Uh, Activities throughout the world, but specifically uh, in Paris, continued with regard to trying to track down the perpetrators of those attacks. Uh, Leah, get us us up to date on what happened this week with regard to that. Right. It has been a very busy week uh, for ISIS following those attacks in Paris. The French police did set off. They had raids. They captured numerous suspected terrorists. They also uh, found out that the so-called mastermind of the attack, which is what everyone was calling him, the guy that looked like a court jester, uh, he was actually in a Paris apartment with his cousin when she blew herself up. So he is dead. French President Francois Hollande called this a war with ISIS. Our president at the G20 called it something else. The terrible events in Paris were obviously a terrible and sickening setback. ISIS published a video threatening New York City and then another threatening to blow up the White House. Then in Mali, another terrorist attack, this time by two al-Qaeda-affiliated groups at a hotel. Two dozen people were killed, including one American. Right now, Brussels is still on high alert. There's a credible threat that Intel says is uh, an imminent attack. Uh, there and apparently Atlanta is on alert 
due to a threat against the WWE at an arena tonight. Yeah, I'm not so sure about that one. Um, you know, Anonymous, the, the hacking group, has decided to declare, to declare war on ISIS by taking out their Twitter accounts, which to me, I'm always like, well, okay, great. Why didn't you do this sooner? Did you just learn exactly. that ISIS? Exactly. Didn't you learn that, uh, did you just learn that ISIS was bad? Uh, or did they just cross some imaginary line? I know they've done some things in the past, but if they could have done it, what they did this week or claimed what they did this week, why couldn't they have done that sooner? I, I'm not a big fan of Anonymous. I think, um, first of all, there is no quote-unquote anonymous actual group. Uh, there's a lot of splinter groups that like to call themselves anonymous, so you're never quite sure where the information is coming from. This felt very much like a, a publicity stunt to me. I mean, they, they claimed there were going to be attacks all over the world including Atlanta today, and there's no sign of any of that. Uh, and so, of course, they get to now claim, I guess, credit, right? If nothing happens. Yeah, they, they stopped it, it. They stopped it, which, you know, I don't buy for a second. Now, let's go back to Obama. Uh, you know, I have often say in this program uh, that uh, everything's upside down, uh, that we're mm-hmm. living in a uh, Alice in Wonderland world, that the, we've left the gravitational pull of the rational Earth. And the aftermath of the Paris attacks really do show that we're now in a situation where, w- without any doubt, when any shredded out, we are weaker on the fight against terrorism than France is. Yeah. Now, now wrap your brains around that one, folks. And it's not even close. Uh, President Obama said no need to really change our strategy at all. Um, and look, I didn't underestimate them, the JV team. And Mm-mm. he said it with a straight face, and he got some That's criticism right. for it. But his approval ratings barely budged at all because you know most American people are clueless and yes, will believe whatever they, they want, to, want to believe anyway. You know. But uh, the reality, the reality, though, is here's another thing. I don't know if you felt the same thing, but I I never in a bazillion years would have thought so fast after 9-11 we would be following France when it comes to fighting terrorism. I know I would have thought even crazier the notion that the public figures that I now agree with most, the the so-called leaders in the world, in, in the world that I agree with most. Mm-hmm. On a number of issues, but specifically terrorism, are Vladimir Putin and, Hello. and Donald Trump. Now, Hello. if you had told me, if you had told me in the days after 9/11, yeah, 2015, Zig, Donald Trump and Vladimir Putin are going to be the guys you most agree with on, on this and a couple <laughs> of other issues. Um, I would never in a bazillion years have believed it. But are you are you with me on that? I mean, I, I when I every time Putin talks, I go, yeah, that, that's, yes. that sounds pretty good, actually. Look, he I, gets it. He's not worried about any political correctness. He's not worried about offending anyone. He speaks the truth. When you don't have that fear, you will speak the truth. Yeah, but it's Putin. It's, it's Russia. <laughs> How did this happen? How are we following the French? <laughs> How did Putin become the good guy? I, 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 it's it's mind-blowing. Well, um, but look, it, ISIS blows up your plane. You know, you're, you're going to get upset about it and start doing something about it. All right. When we come back, I want to talk uh, a little bit more about the specifics of what's going on with regard to ISIS and what happened in, in that uh, the roundup in Paris. And then we'll get to other news on the John and Leah show. Our website is www.freespeechbroadcasting.com. That's freespeechbroadcasting.com. This is the Free Speech Broadcasting Network.
Welcome back. This is the John and Leah Show. My name is John Ziegler. My co-host is Leah Brandon. We are heard on 20 different stations throughout the nation, including 13 of the top 28 radio markets. And I want to uh, share a few more thoughts on the aftermath of the Paris attacks and specifically that raid, that remarkable raid that ended up uh, apparently killing the mastermind of the Paris attacks, as well as a female apparent suicide bomber. And, and Leah, I'm always fascinated in the aftermath of these terrorist attacks by a couple of things. Number one, inevitably, and the, the media never really emphasizes this, and I, I don't think it fits into the narrative that a lot of people have about these attacks because we all think it's like a movie and we think of the, the bad guys sometimes as more invincible than they really are. But, That's right. But oftentimes, and this was one of them, the attacks actually don't go nearly as well as they had planned or hoped. Right. And this was one of them. I mean, this was obviously in some ways it was, quote, unquote, a success. I mean, they got what they wanted. They killed a lot of people. They created a lot of terror. They hurt a lot of people. And they got a huge amount of publicity. So from that standpoint, it was a success. But it was not as damaging as it theoretically could have been. For instance, they were supposed to get inside a filled soccer stadium. uh, Where the president was. Where the president was, and they didn't do that. Uh, They also had one suicide killer who only killed one other person, which is about as bad a suicide killer as you can be. Uh, But I want to talk about this female for a second. Um, Now, this borders on funny to me. And there's conflicting reports, so we don't really know exactly what happened. But this is too good to check. This is this is one of those stories I just wanted to believe it, so I don't care if it's true or not. It <laughs> but, sounds great. Let's go with it. Yeah, it sounds uh, – you know, I hate when the news media does that, but this one's too good to resist. Did you hear the last exchange, allegedly, before the female suicide bomber died? Um, I don't think so. This has been widely reported, although I don't know how, and, and I, I understand there's, I heard a tape, although it's not in English, so I don't know how accurate oh, it yeah. is. Oh, yeah. Well, wait, wasn't she calling the police to come? That's what I no, heard. Well, she said, she said, help me, help me, yeah. and apparently in an effort to get the police, or whoever was after her, whoever you call them, police or whatever, to come after her, to basically right. lure them in, and one of the let's call them police says to her where's your boyfriend referring to the mastermind who apparently was actually her distant cousin and supposedly her last words were he's not my boyfriend my boyfriend (laughs) i just love that her last words were he's not my boyfriend which shows which just shows no matter you know whether you're out you know isis al-qaeda you're whatever wherever you're from whatever whatever race you are there's certain things that are universal throughout females across the world and one of them is when you get accused of having a boyfriend that's not yours you get pissed off and that's apparently what happened here now there's also conflicting reports leah as to whether or not she actually blew herself up. 
Oh, the, I, this I was unaware of. The original report was that she, after saying, he's not my boyfriend, you know, blew herself up, which to me was much funnier. Because I had this vision of that was the moment that pissed her off. I can't believe they're, they're claiming he's my boyfriend. He's my cousin. Screw you. I'm going to blow myself up. Um, but then the last report I heard was that she may not have blown herself up. Uh, now, who the hell knows? But the story was just too good to, to check. Uh, but the, mo- the important part of it is, well, first of all, we now have women who are apparently willing to be suicide bombers. That's That's right. That's important. But also, it's important to remember... These are actually human beings, and they have flaws, and they're, they, they make mistakes, and they're not machines, and, you know, that's good and bad. There's good and bad to that, but I just – I think we, we mystify, uh, and we certainly did that with al-Qaeda after 9-11. I mean, we, we, we give them powers that they don't really have, and, um, and there's good and bad in that. I mean, you, it's a very delicate balance between, you know, giving them too much credit and not enough credit. Of course, we've got a president who called them the JV team, uh, which would obviously be vastly incorrect at this point. Well, when they've uh, taken over large swaths of two countries, that might not be a good idea to call them that. And, and by the way, speaking of in the last segment, I mentioned that Trump and Putin are now the guys I'm agreeing with most. You know, Trump said he wanted to bomb the crap out of their oil fields. Well, guess who just did that? Putin. Putin did. Uh, Not us. Putin. That's where we are on this, folks. Now, obviously, um, related to all this, inextricably linked, is the refugee crisis. The Syrian refugee crisis has become a political football this week. Uh, When we come back, I want to talk about... um, what actually happened there and the politics of that and how it plays into, for instance, the presidential race. We'll do that when we come back on the John and Leah show here on the Free Speech Broadcasting Network. is the John and Leah Show. My name is John Ziegler. My co-host is Leah Brandon. Our website is www.freespeechbroadcasting.com. And a few more thoughts on the uh, the state of uh, terrorism in light of the uh, Paris attacks, and specifically with regard to the Syrian refugee crisis. And still, uh, I think there's a debate going on as to whether or not there's a direct link between the Syrian refugee crisis and how those attacks were carried out in Paris or whether or not ISIS may have just wanted us to believe that there was. But regardless, there is a refugee crisis and it's become a political issue this week. So, Leah, up to date us on that. Well, President Obama, in light of the Paris terror attacks, wants to speed up the resettlement of Syrian refugees in the U.S. And now he wants to double the number. He wants to admit almost 200,000 by the end of 2017. Now, one or more of the terrorists in the Paris attacks apparently, reportedly, slipped in with the refugees. ISIS has promised to infiltrate countries with the flow of refugees that even our own Secretary of Homeland Security, Jay Johnson, says are almost impossible to screen. The president is blaming the GOP. At first they were worried about the press being too tough on them during debates. Now they're worried about 
three-year-old orphans. That doesn't sound very tough to me, and it's contrary to who we are. And it needs to stop because the world is watching. The U.S. House passing a bipartisan bill to at least slow down the refugee program with a veto-proof majority. Now, it has yet to go to the Senate. And while all of this is happening, two Syrian refugee families have crossed our southern border, and they turned themselves in to immigration uh, agents down there. And as of tonight... A third Syrian refugee family has come across our border and turned themselves in. And the significance of that, you think, is what? Well, they're already coming in. Well, in other <laughs> words, whether we like it or not. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's exactly yeah, right. right. Okay. Now, now look, let, first of all, um, with regard to we, – we don't know yet, and we may never know – uh, whether or not the refugee crisis played a direct role in the Paris attacks. It is possible that that happens. It's also possible that ISIS wanted us to believe that that's what happened uh, for political ramifications. I don't, I don't know, and I don't think Well, anyone... the guy that's still on the loose apparently went back and forth and back and forth to Syria and here. Right. So who, you know, who knows? We don't know. Um... But, but clearly, obviously, uh, it's a security problem. I mean, that's obvious. Yeah. To, it's, it's obvious to anybody with half of a brain. Now, what Obama is referring to there is is a classic. I mean, this is the classic Obama straw man argument. I mean, he is an Olympic gold medalist when it comes to straw man arguments. What he's doing yes. is he's referencing something that Chris Christie implied. And you got to remember, Chris Christie is 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 desperate. He's at the bottom of the GOP field. He didn't even qualify for the last debate. And and he's deciding, okay, this is an issue where I can be the tough guy and I'm gonna be the toughest guy there is. And so I'm gonna say no to all the Syrian refugees. And so Obama then uses that to say that we're rejecting three-year-old orphans out of concern for terrorism. Now, now you had another clip there from Obama, is that right? Or, yes, okay. I, I actually do. Well, let me hear go. that. When candidates say we want to admit three-year-old orphans, that's political posturing. When individuals say that we should have a religious test and that only Christians, proven Christians, should be admitted, that's offensive and contrary to American values. I cannot think of a more... Uh, more potent recruitment tool for ISIL than some of the rhetoric that's been coming out of here uh, uh, during the course of this debate. Mm -hmm. Well, the good part about that is we can finally find out the the subject matter that will elicit some passion from our president <laughs> when it comes to terrorism. We finally found out who he can get angry at, who he sees as the true enemy. That's right. The Republican Party. That's right, ladies yep. and gentlemen. The Republican Party is now the real enemy. You didn't hear any of that anger towards the attackers. I mean, when he when he was talking about the attackers, he couldn't have been more bored. He couldn't have been more happy to get the hell out of there. Stop talking about it. Let me get through this and yeah, on to something. It's a I setback, you know. Yeah, we blah, said we blah, got blah, some blah. successes. Blah, setbacks. Blah, 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 blah. You'll never let One this happen again. We'll, we'll, we'll track them down. We, we're we're going to degrade. Yeah, destroy. Right. They're contained, right? What? I mean, it's all. It's all. He, he, it's obvious. He can't. He can't even fake it anymore. I mean, uh -uh, I, he can't stand it. He and and uh, you know what I found most 
interesting about that clip you just played, which, you know, I don't know that it was necessarily the most obvious, but he actually said when he referenced Christians, he said proven Christians. Did you notice that? He said to, to, to you have to be Christian and you have to be a proven Christian, which I find funny coming from a guy who claims to be a Christian who I don't believe for a second is a Christian. <laughs> I don't either. And I, so it's kind of when you think about it from a subliminal standpoint, that was an interesting, you know, maybe Freudian slip by the president. That and not boy, only that, the first way he said Christians, he kind of bit off that word Christians. Oh, you you sensed that there was a little bit of disdain. Oh, I'm telling you, it's loud and clear. Well, that might be a little pushing it, but okay, all right, that's fine. And for the record, I don't believe that he's a Muslim necessarily, although he, you know, he did go to a Muslim school as a kid and registered as a Muslim and all that. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I don't think he believes in any religion. I think he believes in the religion of himself. I think he's an egomaniac. And I think that the fact that this this issue makes him look bad is why he has no stomach for it. And he right. must and he must take it out on somebody. He is pissed that this has made him look bad. And so who who is he going to take it out on? Not on the terrorist. He's going to yeah. take it out on the Republican Party. And you know, the, the, like, I just had one more year. One more year. And I got not have settled down and let me get out of here. Right. Well, that's a fair. I think that's a fair analysis. And so, you know, this is the ultimate straw man that he's going after one thing that Chris Christie implied. By the way, Chris Christie didn't specifically go after three-year-old orphans. Um, Now, I will say, because I'm a fair guy, I do think that Obama has a little bit of a point. And you're not going to agree with me on this. Um, And that is, to me, to me, there ought to be a way to screen properly. Now, I don't trust that we're going to be able to do it because I don't trust anything our government does. But in a, in a remotely ideal world, if we weren't politically correct and we were remotely competent, I think we could do this. I mean, we're talking about a fairly small number. 10,000 is not that big of a number to start off with. And we know, we know demographically who the troublemakers are. 17 to 45-year-old men right there. 17 well, we 40- used to. Paris attacks kind of changed that a little bit. There's been two now, two Uh, female suicide bombers. I get it. I get it. And look, uh, see, to to, to me, both sides are playing politics with this. Um, And and to me, I guess I'm always one of those people, Leah, that when when we are so hypersensitively aware of an issue, I no longer worry about it so much. I'm always worried about this. Hold on a second. Let me finish. I'm always worried about the issue that nobody is concerned about. But I think we've now made it pretty clear we're hypersensitive about the Syrian refugee issue. So now my sense is politically, oh, okay, now everyone has an incentive to make sure we don't screw this up and that that, that this this gets done properly. Now, that doesn't ensure that it will get done properly. How Uh, can it get done properly? What, are you going to call Assad? Hey, can I have the background records on these people? We have no way to screen. None. All right, so then the the other option is you just don't let anybody in. And No. Okay. And and you do it because they're from Syria. So so Syrian refugees are no good. What about refugees from other countries? I mean, how do you, I uh, don't think we should be importing people from dangerous countries and complete different cultures than ours. But what is our Let's cult- what, what, help what, them. What is our culture now? We have no united culture anymore. Well, what is our culture? <laughs> 
Well, it's certainly not people that cannot at all speak the language and don't ex- and don't respect our Constitution. Yeah. Let's not import those, but let's help them. Let's help them stay there. We could do a lot more than we're doing to help them settle somewhere nearby until whatever happens with Assad happens and then go home. All right. Um, you know, I, I, I don't feel strongly about this. I just... <clears throat> Again, I, I I just feel like if we're going to be vigilant about it, I feel less concerned about it because okay. I mean if, if in a weird way the Paris attacks I think have have made it very clear and and very obvious that that this is a problem and that we, that we need to worry about this. Three weeks ago. I think we are in far more danger than we are now with regard to these refugees because now we're on guard about it. Do you, do you understand what I'm saying there? Do you get I that? I do point? understand what you're saying, but Zig, we have no way to get, get these people get or follow them. Once they that. come to a town, they stay for two months and they're free to go. Did you know that? They're yeah. free to move around and go wherever they want. See, I guess I'm more worried about the guys that are probably already here. See, see, I believe that ISIS is already here. Of course they are. And, and, They're in all 50 states. The FBI has said that. <laughs> you make it sound like it's a political campaign where ISIS is on the ballot in all 50 states. <laughs> no, they're in, there are investigations in every single state. Of course yeah. they're already here. And we still missed the Boston bombers when we had Russia telling us about it. We're so incompetent. You know what? You know, Changing the subject slightly with regard to ISIS, and, and obviously this is a uh, you know, a week where to me, I've never understood. And I hate to even say this because I'll, I'll get somehow get blamed if it happens, even though I, I've checked and our, our ISIS ratings are very poor. Uh, very, we have very low listenership among ISIS, ISIS members. But, you know, to me, how easy would it be for for ISIS on Black Friday morning in the middle of the yes. dark to hit? 10 to 15 malls around the country kill hundreds and hundreds of people and dis- not just terrorize the hell out of everybody, but destroy the entire Christmas shopping season, shut us down economically, shut everything down. I mean, that would be incredibly easy, would it not? Yes, uh, it would. I, it's amazing to me that that has not happened. I mean, amazing. I mean, you, they know that all across the country, Friday morning, there's going to be hundreds of people standing in line in the dark with no security uh, in malls around the whole country. And that, to me, would be, that's what scares me. I, that, to me, is, is so obvious. I can't believe it hasn't happened yet. It's, it's, it's unbelievable. I mean, I hope, I'm, obviously, I'm not hoping for it, and uh, I don't think it's going to happen. But it's just amazing to me that it hasn't because it's just so damn obvious and it would be so relatively easy. And that's why we're so screwed in this long run, because it's so there's no way to stop it, really. No, there's not. Without destroying your entire way of life. And um, and that's why it's I mean, just the so FBI damn depressing. Says they, they can't even keep up. They can't even keep up with the investigations that are going on. They're just so heavy into them. So it's a matter of time. Well, on that bright note, um, in the next hour, <laughs> uh, I am going to tell you how the GOP Republican race is going to go in great detail because I've now okay. figured I have figured it out. 
I've I been waiting to find out. No, no. I, I, I mean, we, we talk about it once a week, and um, I'm bringing out the crystal ball, the famous John Ziegler crystal ball, which has a remarkable record. It does. Uh, and, and it has a remarkable record already in this primary season. But I am going to tell you uh, there's only really two scenarios left mm-hmm. that are, and how this is all going to play out. Um, maybe three at most, but I'll uh, tell you what's going to happen uh, with that in hour number three. And uh, so I hope you'll stick with us. And then in hour, uh, that's on hour number two coming up next after the break. And then in hour number three, uh, Lee and I are going to determine whether or not my wife and I should have a second child to add to our three-year-old daughter. So that's probably the discussion that most people want to hear. But when we come back, our, week, our weekly look at the race for the White House 2016. Our website is www.freespeechbroadcasting.com, where you can check out all 20 stations on which we broadcast each and every Sunday. That's www.freespeechbroadcasting.com. You can also contact both me and Leah through Twitter and Facebook at freespeechbroadcasting.com. My name is John Ziegler. She's Leah Brandon. This is the Free Speech Broadcasting Network.